Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for, the sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. All righty, sports fans, welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Scott Mitchell, along with Jeremiah Jensen from KSL TV, filling in for the very secretive, aloof, and mysterious. Alex Keery, who's off on secret assignment. We don't know where. We don't ask questions. That's when uh, bad things happen if you ask questions. Are you accusing Alex Keery of living a double life? Mm, I don't know. If you've ever... See, I work with him closely, and he just never looks me in the eye. You know, he's just kind of always look... He's <laughs> you just, just can't trust him, No, huh? you can't trust that guy. Okay. Actually, I love Alex. He's going to laugh when he hears I that. really do. I, I, think, I think the world of him. He's, he's a good dude. really enjoy doing the show with him. Uh, hey, this uh, the cut is brought to you by G2G Bars with all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein. G2G Bars are perfect uh, for that snack on the go. You can find them in your refrigerated section of your local grocer along with uh, Maverick, Holiday Oil, uh, some of those other places, uh, 7-Elevens. They're amazing. Love them. Uh, really do. And the guys at G2G Bars are awesome. Local folks that have a great product, so make sure you go uh, get you a G2G bar. Um, before we get into the cut here, uh, a couple things. First off, um, if you call us now uh, and give us the Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers Play of the Week that we gave out this morning on DJ and PK, if you're caller 12, 801-575-9663, 801-575-9663, and tell us the play, you'll be our winner. With an impressive lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs, it's no wonder that people are switching to Chevy. Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Uh, really quick here, or it doesn't have to be quick, JJ, but uh, I, I saw this thing, and, and it's about USC. And it's about uh, 
Well, let's just get in the cut, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this because I can tie it into the combine. So it's- the other question, undeniable, unrivaled, top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. Ain't nothing like it. All right, uh, so I, I saw this thing. Um, it was an article in uh, on CBS Sports, and they were talking about like what should the rivalries be with the um, the movement in a conference realignment, and and it was interesting where it was kind of talking about USC, UCLA, and Texas Oklahoma. So I I kind of want to ask you a little bit about this, like. What, what what would be great rivalries for those schools now they're in new conferences, but maybe what rivalries kind of exist in the Pac-12 and and what does the Big 12 look like? So kind of a big topic, but let's just start with the Big 10. Where, where do you – who who is USC and UCLA's rival? And does even UCLA have a rivalry? Their rivals are themselves because nobody else in that conference is going to care about them. It's, there's, those, both those schools are in for a harsh reality. They're entering a world what's foreign to them. They've been used to being the top dog in the Pac-12 for decades, right? Whether they're be- whether they're playing well or not doesn't matter. They are the two most notable marquee schools, athletic departments in the Pac-12, and have been for since it started. Since it was back, probably when it was the Pac-8, right? Yeah, they've always been there. They're in LA. They're Hollywood. They've always been that. Now they're going to a conference. That is well-established. These programs know who they are. They don't care about USC and UCLA. And people in the Midwest don't care about USC and UCLA. I don't think they understand what they're going into. Bright lights and all that stuff. The grass isn't always greener. And they're chasing the dough. They're chasing the dollar. That's fine. But they sold their souls to do it. They're going to regret it. They're going to regret it. Ohio State doesn't care about USC. They care about Michigan. They care about Michigan State. They care about Wisconsin. That's not going to change. And Penn State, absolutely. Penn State, by the way, is going to be really good next year. Yeah. So those teams are putting themselves in a position. I know, look, all the hype about USC and Caleb Williams, he's not going to be there more than a year. So then Lincoln Riley's going to have to figure things out post-Caleb Williams. And that's going to be rough because they have a lot of issues. And they, 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 they became apparent as the season wore on last year, and Utah was able to expose those yeah. issues. So this is not going to be easy for USC and UCLA. That's my response on those two. Interesting. So the Big 12. Is there anybody? I mean, I mean anybody that. What? Who? Well, does, Maryland doesn't even see, care. I know, I know. You know what I mean? Right, like, what right. Rutgers? I, how, how are they going to uh, develop rivalries with those teams? The upper echelon in the Big 10 don't care about them, and they don't care about the lower teams. Right? Because they're arrogant. USC and UCLA think they're all important and almighty. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I mean, they're not going to, they, they don't care about, but yeah, it's you have to, wonder, to develop a yeah. rivalry with Maryland. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you have to wonder. Like, I think, I think USC might have some hope of somebody, but, but UCLA, wow. like, where, what, you know, what meaning is there in that? And I would think with these schools having to, like, fly out to California, I think it would just be so annoying. You know, you have all of, all of these kind of, general because travel when you when you play like you want to make it as as non an issue as you possibly can you want to you know find a really good routine and when you have to travel a good portion of the country it just makes it so much harder and and for a one-off you know just like you bring me to another point that impacts usc and ucla negatively ohio state they're not going to mind flying out to la that's going to be fine. They're going to go get the, enjoy the nice weather. How do you think USC is going to feel about traveling to Columbus in yeah, November? Right. So anywhere <laughs> in the Midwest in November. Okay. Yeah. You you think it was tough playing at Rice Eccles yeah. Stadium in November? Yeah. Like, what do they think is going to happen here? This whole situation is going to wear them down, and it's going to impact recruiting because as things go negatively for those schools, I mean. The, the pressure is going to be on USC and UCLA to win immediately because if it doesn't, the negativity is just going to stack on top of them over and over and over again. It's going to impact their Olympic programs as well. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a lot of bad vibe going on there in those athletic departments. And how do you dig out of that? There's a reason why sports are so regionalized. There's a reason why conferences were always regionalized because it made no sense to play teams in New York if you were from L.A. Right. In, in a college setting, it didn't make any sense. You'd play them on a big platform if you make it to the tournament or you make it to a bowl game. That's a one-off or that's a tournament in a neutral location. But it's so, it's, it's so much easier to play regional rivals and to win a certain league in a certain geographical area and then move on and play at another higher level if you have the chance. But doing that every week? Ask West Virginia – I mean, there's there's been stories coming out lately about West Virginia. Bob Huggins uh, has been very vocal about the difficulty that West Virginia faces in traveling to Texas to play Texas teams for a weekend. Imagine what it's going to be like for USC and UCLA to travel to New Jersey to play Rutgers <laughs> and then have to go play Maryland right after. Right. That's reality. That's that they have not looked. All they're doing is chasing the money, and they're like, "We'll figure out the rest." Well, figuring out the rest is not going to be fun and easy for them. Yeah, and what would be hard is to go. I mean, because you're you're literally going, okay, we're going to go to Maryland, and then we have a home game, and then we're going to go to Wisconsin, and then we have uh, another home game, and then we're going to go to Penn State in the and, dead of winter. And you're just sitting there zigzagging across the country all the time. You know, it's not like it's not like you can go to Rutgers and then stay there and. You know, you get you have to come home because you have a home game, and, yeah. and and that that'll be a big challenge. I wonder. I I think it's brutal, and I, I really do, and I th- I totally agree with you on the recruiting and just the whole impact of it. I don't think anyone really thought that through. I can tell you that immediately when this happened, like my first just gut instinct was all of all of that. Like this is this is stupid. 
Yeah. Like the travel alone is just going to be a brutal thing. Uh, I'm curious though about what's left, right? What's left in the Pac-12? Are there? I mean, is it just Oregon and Wash? Is it the traditional rivalries? Or, you know, are there? You know, is is there is there anything? Does Utah and Oregon can can they create a rivalry? Because they've they've kind of had some like in, impactful games the last few years that have taken both programs out of college football playoff contention because of a late season loss. Absolutely, it, it all rivalries develop out of trying to win the same thing and always being in the situation where in order to get what you want, that other team stands in their way. I mean, ultimately, that's what the BYU-Utah rivalry stemmed from, right? Yes. It was state supremacy. Right. Yes. You had BYU. Bragging rights. It's and it thing. intensified when BYU in the 70s and 80s won and got national attention, won a national championship. And Utah's over here thinking, wait a minute. We used to own BYU. Now they're doing this. We want what they want. And it took a while. But the, the, the roles kind of flipped a little bit. And it's been back and forth ever since. And that's how that that's what fueled the intensity and growth of that rivalry. So what? how does that happen in other ways? Well, if, if Utah and Oregon are both trying to win at a high level, trying to get to the college football playoff, trying to win Pac-12 championships, and they keep ending up battling for it together, those games are going to be intense. And that emotion and that heat is going to develop, and it becomes a rivalry. I honestly think that Utah and USC developed the rivalry in 10 short years. Yeah. There's no question about it. You felt it in the Pac-12 championship game this year. You feel it every time Utah and USC played in the last few years. It it was just obvious. And even there, even Coach Helton, when he was there, was admitting that the focus wasn't UCLA for them. It was Utah. Like, they knew they had to beat Utah to win the South. And so that developed a rivalry in a very short period of time. It's all about wanting the same thing and having to fight each other to get it. That's what develops rivalries. Why people don't um, want the Utah BYU rivalry is really, really beyond beyond me. It really is. I I don't get it. I I get this whole, um, you know, um, you know, they're in different conferences. They're all of these different things, and and it's it's funny because when Utah wins for like nine years in a row, BYU doesn't want the rivalry. You know when. When now where it feels like BYU's in a much better position as far as their conference safety, yeah, you know, who knows what's going to happen to the Pac-12. You know, I, I've heard it from – we have BYU people on, on our, our airwaves from time to time, Dave McCann, Matt Biamonte, you know, Mitch Har- Harper, and you get this sense that, like, yeah, you know, the Big 12 is in way much better position than the Pac-12 and – and and a couple of years ago, it's like BYU is independent and it looked like they might not even have a a season, a program, and so these ebb and flow. But the, but what really is there? There's always a rivalry there, whether they're playing or they're not. And I love the rivalry. I wish I wish that it would be around every year. I wish that people would look at it like USC playing Notre Dame every year, and that that rivalry that's there. I wish it had like I love the Michigan Ohio State. Um, and and of course they're in the same conference and it works very well and it has a lot of meaning and impact. Why why we why you'd ever not want to have that rivalry between Utah and BYU is beyond me. Really I don't is. think I don't think it's that they that people don't want it. It's just here's the reality of the situation is 
the romantic part of us wants that to continue because it was so great for so many years. But reality has changed it. You can't have a rivalry if you're not playing each other. So all of a sudden it shifted where, like I said, Utah is the Pac-12 champion. And the rival that they develop is going to be with another team that wants what they have. And that's that's going to happen. Now, let's say, for instance, things get really weird and Utah decides it's in their best interest to move to another conference and all of a sudden they join the Big 12. Then all of a sudden, all that comes back because now you're in the same conference again. And on a bigger and, stage. And, and on a bigger stage yeah. and with higher stakes and you're playing for the same thing. That's what changed the BYU-Utah rivalry. And I thought people thought Utah going to the Pac-12 isn't going to change anything and BYU going independent isn't going to change anything. It did. That's just a reality. It did because BYU and Utah were no longer chasing the same thing. I, I get that. But, again, neither USC and Notre Dame. You know that, like, but they still play each other. They're still yeah, they still play each other. I mean, Utah like, and BYU we, are still going to play each other, right? Is USC and Notre Dame considered one of the great rivalries in college football? I will tell you in interviewing the the USC players, and because I thought that, and 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 to a man, every time because they ask the question all the time, how do you feel about playing Notre Dame in that rivalry? Because you know it's about winning your, you know, it's it's a game that's kind of like the Utah BYU. It's it's non. It's a non-issue, and they go, we would never not want to play that game. We look forward to it every year. We love that game. It's it's a part of what we are at USC. Mm-hmm. And, and so so I, I understand the, you know, and believe me, I love the whole meaning part of of rivalries, and I, I love that, you know, one team gets hosed one year, and, and it's painful. Yeah. And and I love that. But uh, I, just, I just, no matter what, because it's a rivalry that's been around a long, long time, and I just, I just, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. I, re- I really am. Here's the, I mean, we talk about rivalries. The Utah USC rivalry is now going to vanish, right? Because they're not going to play each other <laughs> no. forever. USC will never. As soon no. as, after this year, USC will never schedule Utah again yeah. in anything. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah, and and that's unfortunate. And I, again, it's like you know, you just look at the pieces that are left, and I. You know what? Is Colorado now become a rivalry Never. with with Dion? No, no. Because <laughs> Dion said he's coming for us, and he's got his Louis Vuitton luggage, and here he comes. <laughs> here he know. comes. He's got his bags packed. All right. Hey, uh, Jeremy, we're going to take a break. How do you feel about that? You like that idea? All right. You're listening to Unrivaled on 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about all fun things. Apparently, uh, folks in the ACC are not happy about their TV deal that goes on for eternity. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. 
now available anywhere you get your podcasts.